0: Good morning, friends. It is Wednesday, January 24th, 2023. This is the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. This is the Wednesday deep dive where we only look at a couple stories, but we look at them a little deeper than we do on a normal Cyber Smart News Day. So today I got four articles. They're kind of interesting. I want to thank uh, Corey Munson from PC Matic for sending me the first one we're going to talk about. But as always, if you have thoughts, questions, or comments on this podcast, feel free to email me, darren at thecyberguy.com. Tomorrow I will be Doing um, my next day podcast. Plus, I'll also be doing the Cyber Guy podcast tomorrow. So, I have two coming out um, actually, three. To this one on Wednesday morning, and then one Wednesday night, and then Thursday morning. So, if you are loving the dulcet tones of my voice, there's some extra re- listening for you to go with. Scott Augman will be my guest. Uh, well, let's get into the news. Um, and the first one is an interesting story um, from the Des Moines Register. Um, and this is a unique story. Um, From this podcast and it's cyber related because there's there's cyber stuff related to it. But so the headline from Tyler Jett of the Des Moines Register DCI agent in Iowa student athlete gambling investigation accused of warrantless searches. Well, that's interesting. That's always interesting when when constitutional amendments or constitutional rights are violated. Uh, Let's read in just a little bit. An Iowa law enforcement agent went rogue about a year ago probing online betting activity inside a college dorm without a warrant and against the commands of his supervisors, a defense attorney alleges in a court motion filed Monday. Now, my first question here is, why are they investigating this at all? Um, Yes, if gambling's illegal in Iowa, I guess I can understand that, but you're telling me there's not more serious crimes you could look into but let's let's us continue on. The case which has drawn national security scrutiny rather resulted in criminal charges or NCAA suspensions against more than 3 dozen current and former student athletes at the University of Iowa and Iowa State University including the Iowa State Cyclones 2022 starting quarterback Hunter Decker's. Now okay, of course, athletes betting on betting on college games is probably problematic. I can see that in the motion, Van Plum, an attorney representing former Iowa state defensive lineman, Isaiah Lee and several other athletes charged in the probe cited depositions in Iowa division of criminal investigation agents Uh, or rather cited deposition of Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation Agents conducted January 19th. He wrote the DCI special agent Brian Sanger's testimony revealed he started the investigation by using software to track bets based inside a freshman and sophomore dorm at the University of Iowa. Sanger was investigating gambling by people under the legal age of 21. Okay, there you go. That's the crime. Again, I get into, is this the best use of public resources? But who am I to say? Uh, the software showed Sanger that people were opening betting apps on their phones inside the dorm. It's an interesting app. However, Sanger could not tell whether the user were actually placing bets. He then allegedly asked his bosses whether he could continue the investigation. They denied his request. Now, being a former law enforcement official myself, two two issues here what's the opening a betting app i'm pretty sure is not illegal now the betting may be under 21 but if you couldn't tell it you can't prove a case and if your bosses say the case is over case should be over all right so let's go with, let's just start there nevertheless according to the motion sanger then used the software to check whether people open the betting apps inside a university of iowa athletic facility now my question is would it be still illegal if it was not inside the facility but i digress this was done without a warrant, tips, complaints, or evidence that illegal activity was occurring. That is a good point, Club wrote Monday in a filing on behalf of Isaiah Lee. After Sanger saw that people were opening the apps inside the athletics building, according to the motion, he began. He again asked his bosses for permission to investigate further. This time they granted the request. Sanger and other D.C. agents then expanded their probe to other buildings without reasonable cause, Plum wrote. The agents ultimately probed Iowa State University athletic buildings as well. The D.C.I. did not immediately respond to a request for comment on the court filings. According to the motion, Sanger allegedly began looking into sports betting on campus because he was worried about match fixing. Fair enough. A practice when athletes intentionally perform poorly during games to earn money through the betting markets, either by gambling themselves or courting with the gamblers. It's a fair point. It's a good reason to start a case, admittedly. In this motion, Plum asked the judge to force state officials to turn over more records. He asked for reports of illegal wagering filed with the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission, internal emails discussing a max. Match Fixing, a list of names of university employees and students who may have broken gambling laws, and a list of all accounts subpoenaed from gambling companies like DraftKings and FanDuel. Plum also asked the judge to grant him access to Sanger's search history on Kibana, a software used to track gambling activities on the betting apps. According to the motion... Sanger received permission to use Cabana in December 2022. Uh, what else did this say? Sports fans and other Iowa residents have tracked the DCI investigation since May when the Iowa Board of Regents disclosed that agents were looking into more than 100 Iowa and Iowa State athletes accused of placing bets, a violation of NCAA rules. Again, I, I understand this, right? I get what they're doing, but is law enforcement the best route for this? Just let the NCAA look into it and then kick the kids off, but Okay. That's more of an opinion on my part, not necessarily a clear look at the loss. Honestly, uh, does say plum has repeatedly pushed for information about why the DCA launched the controversial criminal probe and how it tracked betting. He's also pushed back against the filings of serious charges against some players, including identity theft, a felony for using the other, other people's online betting accounts to make wagers. Now that that's a, that's a stretch. I'm not going to lie. If, if I'm, a, now admittedly, if I am a student athlete and I am throwing games, because I'm betting that's a problem. They should go, they should be held responsible. But if I use someone else's online account to make the bet, that is hardly identity theft. That, that one is a stretch. Not going to lie. Um, what else did it say? What, what do coaches and fans ask? Why only I own my estate? Good point. The Iowa's probe into sports betting by student athletes came amid a rapidly changing sports betting landscape. Iowa legalized sports betting for those 21 or older in 2019 and more than 30 other states have done the same. So basically, this talks about there's a surge in college gambling, understandably. Um, but the pro- the fact that he did this without a warrant is going to be problematic. Interesting case to follow, honestly, um, because it gets into a lot of different minutiae um, as far as how to do electronic surveillance. You know, what was he looking for Um, uh, How does this app work to determine who's placing bets and things like that? Interesting case. Interesting case. I just thought I'd throw that out there because it's it's a it's a departure from what we usually talk about here. But it's one of those, you know, true crime things are always, always interesting. All right. Back to more normal cyber smart morning news stuff. Darkreading.com. Millions at risk as parrot web server compromises take flight. Elizabeth Montabano reporting the cyber attackers between the traffic redirection system inject websites with malicious scripts have control over thousands of servers worldwide and have ramped up efforts to avoid detection. Threat actors behind a traffic redirect system that's been active since October, 2021 have ramped up efforts to elude detection and can potentially reach millions of people with malicious scripts hidden in thousands of compromised websites. Researchers from unit 42 have been tracking parrot TDS since they investigated a notification concerning a compromised website based in Brazil in September. Uh, what else we got here? Parrot, Injects malicious script scripts into existing JavaScript code hosted on a server, which first profile the victim to see if certain conditions are met and then serve up a payload script that can direct the victim's browser to a malicious location or piece of content. The campaign's agnostic in terms of nationality, geography, and industry with scripts appearing on scores of sites across the globe. So how do you protect yourself from this? Let's see if it even says that. Um, identifying malicious scripts. Attackers likely use automatic tools to exploit known vulnerabilities to take over servers to deliver parrot scripts, it says, which again, highlights the need if you're an IT professional to make sure you are patching your, these known vulnerabilities as they come out um, because that will help your life. Uh, same thing with everybody else. Right? I mentioned yesterday, there was a big Apple patch that came out for Macs and iPhones and iPads and all that stuff. You should update all of that now. It it, clear, it, it fixes a zero-day vulnerability that bad guys can exploit. So you want to kind of go ahead and do that. Um, okay, what else we got here on this one? Anything? Yeah, mitigation and protection. Here we go. The researchers included a list of indicators of compromise in their blog post that can alert website administration administrators. If Parrot TDS has compromised their sites, they include a list of uh, SHA 256 hashes for hundreds of examples of JavaScript files while injecting landing script code for Parrot TDS files and researchers also have submitted to VirusTotal. So if you are a website um, administrator, you want to take a look at this article, go to the site, which is. Uh, uh, what's the name? 42. Uh, no, sorry. It is a uh, unit 42. Find the article on unit 42 and then check and see if you have any of those particular vulnerabilities. Pats him. You'll be good to go. All right. Virtual kidnapping. How to see through this terrifying scam. This is from we live security. Phil Muncaster reporting phone fraud takes a frightening twist as Fraudsters can tap into AI to cause serious emotional and financial damage to the victims. It's every parent's worst nightmare. You get a call from an unknown number, and on the other end down the line, you hear your child crying out for help. Then there are kidnapper cons on the line demanding a ransom or you will never see your son or daughter again. Unfortunately, this is not an imagined scenario from a Hollywood film. Instead, it's a terrifying example of the lengths that scammers can now go in order to extort money from their victims, co-opting new technology for nefarious purposes. It also shows the quality of AI voice cloning technology that is now convincing enough to trick even close family members. Fortunately, the more people know about these schemes, what to look out for, the less likely phone-based fraudsters are to make any money. So this is just a this is just a evolution of the... Kidnapped kids or problem kids or I'm in jail kids scam that was started kind of on Facebook and kind of was prevalent through other other means where you get a call and your kids in jail overseas and needs a thousand dollars or whatever. In this case, it's been a, it's a kidnapping. They use AI to clone your kid's voice, and that's easy to find on social media. If you find a, uh, a kid's social media account, you can probably get a video of him talking. You can take a audio of that voice imprint and then you can. Go ahead and do this. So how does virtual kidnapping work? Here's the key stages. Again, this is for understanding. If you understand the threats targeting you, you can assess your risk and proceed wisely. Scammers research potential victims. They then, they can call up and try to extract money, money from Um, The scammers identify a kidnapping victim, most likely the child of a person they identified in stage one. This could be done by trawling through their social media or other publicly facing information. Again, a reason to be careful what you post online. The group then creates an imagined scenario, being sure to make it as harrowing as possible for the person they're about to call. The more scared you are, the less likely you'll make, rational the more, the less likely you'll make rational decisions. The fraudsters might perform some other open source research to calculate when's the first time, best time to call stuff like that. So anyway, just be aware that this is expanding in use. Um, especially for the more senior folks in your life, you want to just make sure that they get a call that says, Hey, you know, grandma, grandpa, you know, I'm in jail. I need help. You know, make sure they're aware that this scam is out there. It's happened to my mother. She got a call saying it was apparently appearing to come from my son. So she called me immediately. Fortunately, he was sitting next to me at the dinner table. So I could tell her it was a scam, but fortunately she had me to call. Not everybody has someone who's used to this stuff to do it. So again, um, just be careful there, This article has a lot of good things on how to stay safe. Don't overshare personal information. Keep your social media profiles private. So on so more Stuff we talk about all the time, but again, stuff you need to train the others in your life about. I had one more. I'm not going to really get into it. Basically, this is from bleepingcomputer.com. Sergio Gatlin reporting water services giant Viola North America hit by ransomware attack. Okay, it's another ransomware hit. This one, though, is a critical national infrastructure entity, a water plant. And this is where we're going with a lot of the evolution of this cybercrime stuff is they don't care who they target anymore. And they will target critical infrastructure like water, power, electric, gas, stuff like that. Be aware it's coming. How do you, you you can't protect yourself from it individually, unless you work in these entities, or an IT administrator or something like that, and you can keep patching your systems and stuff and and things of that nature. But again, it's important to realize where all this is going so that we can stay up and and read intelligence, listen to podcasts like this, listen to other podcasts that go into much deeper detail on these types of things. My news is, is designed to be quick and quick and easy for you. So you can kind of get the headlines and you can go research stuff that's important to you going on. Like of these four articles, you may not care about any of them and that's the end of it. Um, some of them, you may have more inf- want more information on the virtual kidnapping and you'll go d- study that. So that's the key thing is if I can get you to go do your own intelligence gathering, that makes you a better cyber citizen by being more aware of the threats that are out there. So we can only do that if we help each other and help those around us that need the help as well. As always, thank you so much for taking Taking the time to download and listen to the podcast. Just know that knowledge is protection. If we can understand the threats targeting us, we can assess our risk, proceed wisely. Have a great Wednesday. We will talk again tomorrow. Cyber Smart Morning News is written and produced by Cyber Guy Productions. Feel free to email thoughts, comments, or suggestions to Darren at theCyberguy.com. Or follow Darren on LinkedIn at LinkedIn.com/slash in slash darrett Mott.